Good morning. It's great to see you all this morning. I would like to wish all of the mothers a happy Mother's Day. I would like to say that with a a bit more of a comment. Um, We understand that sometimes Mother's Day isn't so happy. We are thrilled for our mothers and absolutely ecstatic. We love kids. But some of us have mothers who aren't here. They're in other places. Maybe we don't get to see them so much. Maybe they've passed on. Maybe some of us have wanted to be mothers and it hasn't worked out so well so far or at all. And we just want you to know here that we love you. And when scripture says in Matthew 5, blessed are those who mourn, that God knows you and he sees you. And we want to let you know this morning that we uh, struggle and mourn with you as well. But we want you to know Um, that there are so many children here that we all get to love. So let's all join in and just encourage one another in whatever state we're in. But today it's Mother's Day, and we want to say Happy Mother's Day. What a thrill to have mothers. As Tyler Jones let us know, by the way, in case you didn't pick up on it, today's his birthday, okay? Yeah, I know. That was a shameless ploy there. Mission, (laughs) Mission trip, whatever. So my wife, I was asking my wife, and and this isn't sermon yet, okay, this is just extra time. My wife was asking, we were talking about Mother's Day presents, as we always do, you know, um, she's very practical. I always say, I married Don Carell, only much more attractive. (laughs) Much more attractive. (laughs) But very practical and wise. And so I always ask her before wasting money on gifts, not that it's ever a waste, but I mean, you know, there are things that are practical versus things that are just girly, okay? And though my wife's girly, she's practical. And so she said it'd be nice to buy a grill, a new grill for Mother's Day, okay? Now, this is where I need to warn all you guys. When your wife asks for a grill for Mother's Day, it's not for her. I fell for it. I mean, I've, but it's, it, it's actually what's on it is for her. And she'll trick you with things like, you look so attractive when you're grilling. And I'm so naive. I'm always falling for that stuff. Oh, yeah. Well. Don't fall for that stuff. All right, now that we've got that out of the way, let's pray together. Father, thanks so much for this day. I'm thankful for the hearts that are here. I'm so thankful for your um, wisdom um, and, and your nurturing and training of mothers, Lord, and their incredible part in our lives, their incredible hand, their touch, their love, everything that a mother is in our lives. We're so thankful, God. And I pray today as we look into your word a bit and we wrestle with some scripture, I pray that you would move us closer, give us greater honor for them. But Father, Mother's Day is really about you. You are the great giver of all good gifts And mothers get all of their move from you, all of their love, all of their touch, all of their heart, all their nurturing, everything comes from you, Father, and we know that very well. So happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers, Lord, but but to you for, for creating them, training them, nurturing them, loving them. Use us today to encourage them and to bring honor to you. It's in your son's name we pray, amen. So I was wrestling with what to call the sermon. I um, have social media. I do some Facebook or 
or Twitter or Instagram, so I thought about calling it My Mother is Greater Than Your Mother. If you're on there, you understand that very well. But I didn't think that that would bode very well for my mom because it makes me seem very selfish and like she didn't raise me well. So I didn't want to do that. So then I thought I, I would title it Why We Need Mothers, but I thought that was pretty obvious, and especially after Tyler clued us in on how he came about there a while ago. Didn't think that would be very appropriate. And then I thought, well, what I taught my mom about being a mother, but that just is weird because I'm not, but I did teach her a lot about, you know, being a mother because I'm a pretty difficult child, but I'm not a mother. I I think I had to point that out to you guys, not to put too fine a point on it, but I'm not, so I couldn't really go with that one. So I settled with um, four things that God could teach the church through my mom. I thought that's a pretty good one. Wrestling with it, praying over it. Four things that God could teach the church through my mom. Excuse me. The first one would be um, love for God. There was never a question or a struggle in my life about my mom's love for God. It was clearly on display in everything she did. From the countless days of me being sick and her always looking out for me and being so deeply concerned to being my greatest fan in anything I did, wanting me to always succeed, always making it very clear that she loved me. She demonstrated God's love very well. She spoke of it. She modeled it. It shaped her life. It's like it's the only thing she knew. Not perfect. She was a struggling person here on this earth like the rest of us. But she loved, she loved God, and it came out in everything. And the scripture I want you to wrestle with here this morning is, it was the scripture reading, Matthew uh, 22, 34 and following. Hearing that Jesus had sat, silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together, and one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. The call to love God first, that was demonstrated so well through my mom, and I think that we could learn from that, and I think we're growing here in that, but, the, but the, the heart of a person, first of all, that makes up the church, you're an individual, and, and what you bring to this place has an impact on this family, and so if we're wrestling with who's first in our lives, then we wrestle in this family, and so the call is that we would grow individually and grow as a family, this church, to love God first. That entails a whole lot of things, but it for sure entails pursuing him. Excuse me. The second point I want to make about my mom and what we could learn from her, what God could teach us through her, is her commitment to God. Where her love was so overwhelmingly clear, her commitment to him set a pace for everything that we did, and it really did. Um, There was sometimes I would much rather have played baseball than go to church. But we were going to church. And it wasn't just that it was set up on church. It was the life that we lived, the choices that we made, everything that we did. I, I always had a very clear understanding that this family is about God. There was never any confusion, ever. <laughs> in case I didn't make that clear, never, ever. She was always very committed in her, in her work, in her, her struggles, in everything that she went through, in heartbreak and heartache. It was always wrestling toward God. I don't recall a moment my mom struggling outside of 
Jesus is going to take care of it. God is going to work through this. Something good is going to happen. It's, she was just immersed. It's like he dipped her in him. He's like, here you go. Here's your mom. And that's what I had, a wonderful mom. And the church could learn something great from my mom in that. In John 14, Jesus just says very clearly, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. That's about commitment. I will do what he calls me to do. I will live how he calls me to live. John, uh, John 14, 23 and following, he says, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and, they will come, and we will come and make our home with them. And, and that's something that I really noticed a lot in my home. Though we, though we wrestled like, like we wrestle in this place, my home was made up of we making our home in them, being Jesus, being God and, and his spirit living among us. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. I saw that. And, and, and that's something that we can really grow in. And looking at my mom, watching my mom, and, and, uh, and learning from her how to better live for Jesus. Now, here's where this whole title thing, four things we could learn from my mom, gets kind of tricky. Because the third point is actually five points. And, and it's actually made up of two points, just the main point of it. So it's really actually more like, I think it's... 10 things we could learn from my mom. But if I said 10 up front, you guys would be like, wow, we got a 10-point lesson on Sunday morning, Mother's Day of all things. So I, so I kind of crammed that together. You see what I did? So, so the third point, actually, in case you're following along, has like seven points. So well, just pay attention. The, the first part, yeah, which one? The first part of, of, of point number three is her love for my dad, her husband. We can learn a lot from this. Titus uh, chapter 2 verse 3 states that, Tell the older women to behave as those who love the Lord should. They must not gossip about others or behave as... as uh, or they, let's say, Let me say this. Tell the older women to behave as those who love the Lord should. They must not gossip about others or be slaves of wine. They must teach what is proper so the younger women will be loving wives and mothers. That we're modeling this, and that's something I watched my mom model very well in front of us. She definitely loved my dad. And, 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 point, and point number two of point number three, um, her love for her children and her family. It's going to get tricky if I have to keep up with that all the time, okay? So just stay with me. Her love for her children and her family was just amazing. There was no question, as, as was stated up front a while ago, as Don was saying, man, you want to get yourself in a lot of trouble, mess with the mom's kids, and you're going to find a lot of trouble, right or wrong. You don't want to do that. You don't want to go there. And that was my mom. And we could, there was, we, we could do wrong, but we couldn't do any wrong. Um, and, uh, and, and Jesus, there's something really cool in Matthew chapter 23 and verse 37. He, he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. If you could just imagine this, this, this scene and this happening. He said, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you weren't willing. And you see a mother, man, she's like, you know, getting, no, I got you. I'm taking care of this. Whether you're sick, you're hurt, you're insecure, you're struggling, you're doubting, you're wondering who you are. Am I safe? What's happening here? Man, that love, it just pulls you in and you see so much God in that. And I think that there's a, there would be great value and there's great value in the church learning that, that we, are a sa- that we are a safe place, 
that we love one another. Man, I know the world gets tough, but you don't mess with my family. I know that sometimes we wrestle and struggle a bit, but man, I know who we are, and I love us. I love them, and I got the, you know, we're, we're good here. And there's something wonderful and valuable we could, valuable we could learn from my mother in that. And, and point uh, 3A would be, this is good, by the way, don't think, of, don't think that you're better than others. That's another thing my mom always taught us. She always did. She would always say, Jamie, now listen, there's nobody better than you in the whole world, but you're not better than anybody else. You're not better than anyone else. You are no better than anyone, but there's no one better than you. And she would drive that in our head, you know? I mean, she was proud of her kids. And, uh, and Romans chapter 12 grabs this so well. Um, Paul's saying, for the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has, distrib- God has given or di- distributed to each of you. And you hear his call there that sometimes, man, we, we kind of get ourselves um, a little off balance in our identity and, and, and we start thinking like we belong here and, and social status or, or talent or giftedness. You know, Scripture talks about social status, giftedness, makes us think that we're maybe have an advantage on somebody else or better than somebody else. The, spirit, the Scripture talks something very important when he's talking about there being one body but many parts. I know you know what that says. It's one thing to know something is, is, is stated. It's another thing to live it out. And it's really difficult when someone who has a certain gift versus someone who doesn't decides that they have an advantage on the one who doesn't. And in an even worse state, one of the things I think is so against God's call and certainly against my mom's, one of the cool things about my mom is she knew every one of her kids' talents and gifts. She knew all of our abilities. And she knew where we all fit in like your mom does, Right? And God knows this very well. There is no jack of all trades in the kingdom. There is nobody that got all the gifts. And so wherever you seem to be flourishing, you have glaring weaknesses. And that glaring weakness allows my thing come in that looks like I have a glaring weakness because of your talent. And I get to fill that void. And where both of us have an incredible glaring weakness, Mike Carell comes in and he's like, yeah, I got that one. I'm like, really? You got a nice beard, by the way. Thank you, good, yeah. So, I mean, but all these, all these things start to fit together. And we have a body, a family that works well together. But you don't get them all. You don't get all the gifts. And my mom was very clear, stop it. You all fit together as family. You don't have it all. And that's something I think the church could really learn from my mom. I think that's a big one. I think... If I make a point about that, and I'm going on more than the others, it doesn't mean that the others aren't important. I think we're doing well with them. But this one, I think we kind of stink at. I think the church has really grabbed a hold of the world's system in this, in that you have to be all things. You have to overcome. You, gotta, you have to show them that you can do everything. Thanks. You leave no room for me in your life. I don't have much, but what I have, I'd give. But you don't need it. Because you got everything. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Another, another point, 3B. If you can't say something good, 
Anybody know how that finishes? Don't say nothing at all. Man, that's a good one. My mom so often, you know, <laughs> Jamie, if you can't say anything good, don't say anything. Just a quiz. Think back over the last week. How many words would you have said if you followed this rule? How many conversations would you actually have had if you followed this? That's a difficult one. Third Day has a song, an old song, Christian song that says, uh, it starts off with, it's, I, I love this, it, it starts off on and on and on and on and on she goes and where she stops, no one really knows. Everybody's got a problem, so it seems, and she ain't afraid of telling me. And you know that situation. And sometimes that situation's you or me. Ephesians chapter 4, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up or building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Man, that's a lot. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And, and it's so difficult to, to connect talking negative or bad about someone to grieving the Spirit of God. But it is. When I say anything negative about you, I'm grieving the... Wow. 3C. We're pressing on. Believe in people. They were made in God's image. I love this one. Uh, something that... Um, uh, my mom had never said it like this, but I got this from her. And because they're made in God's image, they're probably going to do something great any moment now. Isn't that fun? I mean, he made this. He made everyone in the world. He made every soul. Those are driving you crazy and those you really believe in. And, and I would just remember the hope in people, the liking of people, the, the loving of people. And I do too. And I think you do as well. They might give you a bit of a headache, but, you know, they're good. But to believe in people, and I just had this feeling, and in the worst situations, the greatest struggles, God is so at work that the very one that you wonder or doubt the most, he's going to do something. You're going to go, I knew it. I knew he was going to do that. Every time you find yourself struggling, who does he send you with people, someone, something they're going to do to help you or encourage you? I mean, the believing in people, man, he made us and he made us well. And, and here's one. He made us intentionally. It wasn't like he went, oh, no, what am I going to do with this? I mean, he meant for you to be here. It was on purpose that he made you. And so I want to encourage you that the world is a lot brighter and a lot more hopeful than it is dark and scary because God is at work and he made people and they're full. Of, it's, this place is full of them. So believe in people, man. Um, Philippians 2, 1 through 3, therefore, if, if you have any encouragement from being united in Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any, kind, kind, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind. Do nothing out of selfish amb ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not just the good ones. Not just the ones you like the most or that you really like to learn from. Everyone. Value others better than yourself. He made them. Man, that's really important. 3D, be yourself. 
This is a good one too. Man, how many times did you hear your mom say this or your dad say this? But this is Mother's Day, so mom. Your mom driving this one home. Jamie, honey, there's not another you in the whole world. God didn't make you to be somebody else. You be you. I don't know what else to do, but okay. (laughs) I'll be me. You're perfect and precious just the way you are. He made you enough. Everything about you is absolutely wonderful. I mean, you are a huge deal. Not an accident, on purpose. And that's such a hard concept to grasp whenever we're always graded by performance. That is not God's call. In Psalm 139, Scripture says, For you created, this is 139, 13 through 16. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. That is some crazy imagery that David is trying to capture here as the Spirit inspires him to tell us the intentionality of God making us. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place and when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Be yourself. No one does it quite like you. You're the only one who can live you. Be you. The world has two me's. One is too many. It's, it's plenty. We have two Steve's. We have two of every one of our elders, our deacons, all our wonderful members. There are two. There's one of all of us. We don't need two. We need your uniqueness. We need your craziness. We need your boldness. We need your creativity. We, we need your dreaminess, your aloofness. Whatever you are, we need it. We tend to get really tight and stuffy as people. We certainly need to be taught to breathe and relax and be exactly who we are. 3E, don't take yourself too seriously, but take God very seriously. By the way, John, the second, that last part was my dad says that. My mom lived it. John always talks about my dad preaching. always saying, I want you to take this very seriously. Can't do it like John does. He does it well. But you, you, uh, my mom would always encourage you, don't take yourself too seriously, but take God very seriously. And this is an epidemic in our world today, overthinking everything. The place that I live, the, the, the presentation of myself to you, that I come across as, as I'm all put together. I have my ducks in a row, and we don't have our ducks in a row. We're more like cat herders than duck getter in a rowers, right? I mean, that's our lives, getter in a rowers. I, I made that up on the spot, by the way, as you know. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 this is a good one. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof leads to death. There's something about us, man, that pursues us. We want to become something. We get so caught up in everything that the world tells us a man or a woman ought to be. And so we start shaping ourselves and molding ourselves to be someone that's admired or respected or honored by the world. And we become someone who has no connection to people at all. We just have a great presentation. And God's saying, man, I want to pour you out. I want to use you up. I want you to get lost in me. I want the boundary lines to blur. I want you to take me seriously. But stop taking yourself so seriously. And he says it again. That's Proverbs 14. But he comes right back and says the same thing in Proverbs 16. 
There's a way that appears right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. And my final point, four, or nine or ten, however you are counting, her love for the church. Man, my mom loved the church. I mean, she loved the church. It had, she gave it everything. It was the center, God first, church because of him, was the center of our life. I grew up in pews, some would say um, nursing on the songbook. I mean, just, I mean, I was little, man, gnawing, and I, that's where I grew up. That's all I knew. I didn't feel right growing up if we didn't go to church on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night because it was the normal, natural thing in my life. But she, but she loved the church so deeply. The people were her best friends. She knew their stories. She prayed for them. She talked about us. She would say, if I was struggling with something, well, Jamie, so-and-so is going to really want to see you tonight. I, I remember time and time again, this is the craziest thing. Moms say these kind of things. And I don't know how they work, but they do. I'd come home from school, and I'd be really sick. Uh, I had to ride the bus like an hour because we lived out in Nowheresville. And I would ride the bus, I'd get car sick, and I'd be at home on the couch just miserable. And she'd say, time to go to church. She's like, Mom, I don't feel well. I'm going to throw up. She's like, you'll feel better when you get to church. It's like, that, no, it doesn't change because we walk in the door. Who says stuff like that? You'll feel better when you go work in the garden. No. Man, I'd get to church and I'd be on my way home. I'm like, I felt better because I went to church. I don't understand this. And over the last several years, it's really funny because I would be at intermission and we'll go through Wednesday Bible study and then we'll get, you know, come home for the evening and it's not feeling well, have a sinus infection or something miserable. And that Wednesday night I'm teaching class or something. I'm like, man, I really don't feel like doing this. And then you know what I hear? You'll feel better when you get to church. I'm like, I don't, it really doesn't work like that. Lord, I, I'm supposed to do this. I want to be there. You know that. And I'm driving home going, I really felt better because I went to church. Man, my mom loved the church. And she sold me on something there. I'm not really sure how that works. But that's really a cool thought. And by the way, I know all your moms probably use that already. But if you don't, that's a good one. My mom loved the church. It mattered to her so dearly because Jesus mattered to her and matters to her. She brought us up in it. She wanted it to be everything in our lives. She wants to love it like she did. And Scripture says Ephesians, in Ephesians 5, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. How deeply Jesus loved the church. He gave his life for you. My mother loved the church. She gave her life to it and taught us the same. I might not be very good at it, but she taught me that well. But on Mother's Day today, I want you to think about all these wonderful things we could learn from my mom. I, I want you to think about all these things we could really learn from Jesus. He gave his life for you on purpose wasn't an afterthought. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't plan B. He knew from the beginning what he was getting into with this family. And it wasn't that he did it anyway. 
He knew what he was getting into, and he couldn't wait. He was so excited to love you like that. My mom taught me that. So happy Mother's Day to all you moms. I hope that we've all were encouraged by things that I learned from my mom that I could share to you, with you. But I hope today that you have a blast in Jesus. Let's pray together, and then we'll have our invitation. Father, thanks so much. Thanks for moms. Thanks for laughter. And I think um, that is one of the most precious gifts we learn from our mothers. Just laughing. And so I pray today is filled with laughter. And Father, those of us whose hearts are little in mourning because we miss those that we love so dearly, or those that we didn't uh, get to be with that we wanted so dearly, I pray you just remind us of the great truth, God, that you are there and fill our lives with hope and laughter and encouragement today. And as elders come to either side of this uh, auditorium this morning, God, I pray that you would encourage every heart that's here. And if there's a need to respond, I pray that they do. God, move us toward you today and bless us. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. If you desire to respond in any way to the invitation, if you're not a son or daughter of God, uh, Romans 6 talks about in your immersion, you're united with him. And if you're united like this with him in his death, you'll certainly be united with him in his resurrection. So if you desire to be baptized this morning, they'd be glad to do that. Or if you struggle in any way or just want to tell them, wow, God's good, and want to tell them why, they'll pray for you about that as well. Whatever.